welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. We've got your bass covered. Boy, they sure do. Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, you can always get it at our website, wefishasa.com. We Fish ASA is produced by our executive producer, Mr. Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. They are down in Lando Lakes, Florida. Hey there, Brad. How are you doing? Hope all is going very well. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix. We're going to be paid a visit by USA Bass. There is so much going on with that fine organization. Can't wait to hear what they have to say today. Then I get to spend a little time with my friend, the muskie hunter himself. Yeah, the number one name in muskie fishing. Boy, oh boy, can this guy catch those big fish with big teeth like crazy. He is Mr. Jim Sarek. But first, let's turn it over to David Kranz. Hey, David, make sure you say hello to uh, our good friend Dan Johnson for me. Take it away. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by Syncroy, the best rods on earth. And welcome back, Dan Johnston. Hey, Dave. Thanks for having me. Oh, no problem. You know, we got a, the big industry show coming up here in about a week, and uh, it's called iCast. And uh, Everybody in the uh, world of fishing will be there. We all meet in Orlando, Florida. There's about 700 booths, and you can't even get through it all through all the days. Uh, but it's exciting not only for the industry, seeing the new product and being able to purchase and all of that, but it's, it's exciting for the uh, consumer also because they, they get a hint of what's coming out on the new products through all the media. Yeah, it's the largest fishing show, certainly in the world. But let's be real clear: this is a dealer show in media. It's that so. So the listeners out there, if you're a if you're a consumer wanting to go buy something, it's not that show. Uh, this is for dealers and media, and obviously us manufacturers. But uh, it is amazing. It, to your point, pretty much everybody's there in terms of representation, and uh, it's such a great venue because we get to see everything new um obviously it's certainly a reunion um for all of us to be together in in regard to industry specific people um but it's a great opportunity for the angler or the listener on this show because you're going to get just overwhelmed with new product and exciting things and trends there's always some wow factor thing or things that come out as a result of this show so definitely stay tuned um keep your eye on uh the new product coming out after it for example st croix we have um product for salt water fresh water and ice uh, that we literally showcase here, um, and it's it's and that's just one manufacturer. So I could go on and on and on, but uh, keep an eye on it. You know what you'll start to see, especially when you start talking to your your local dealer, or even if you do online research, is you'll start to see just tons of videos and new product and comments and interviews and 
The next two months is a great opportunity to gear up for 2023 way in advance, in some cases, before the product's even available. Yeah, and that happens a lot. We, we, uh, myself as a uh, as a buyer and media, I go there, and then uh, the Tuesday yet yeah, there's the on the water event, which you can explain a little bit, uh, and there's a new product showcase, which the buyers and media get to go and vote on the best items. It's always fun to go in there and see what I vote for, and see what the rest of the the voters end up thinking about these products too. But um, before we even go to the show the next day, we get to see the new items, which is a big help. And many times there might be something in there that I wouldn't even know that was going to be there. Um, but I, I see it and they got a booth number with it. And I'm like, man, I got to go to booth 1301 because they've got this new bait or new terminal tackle or new kids item or clothing or whatever it is. But you you write that down because, you know, like you said, it's busy. We're, we're all there doing business. I've got my appointments with not only St. Croix, but all the other manufacturers that I do business with. And uh, I get to see all the new products. And to your point, uh, most of the time, these items aren't available immediately. So I'll come back from it. And even though the consumer sees the ads for it and it's been released they come in the store the next week and said do you have this no this is really 2023 product and you might see some of it in the fall uh or winter or you know more likely next spring but uh, that was good a good uh, suggestion that you brought up that it may not be available yeah that's right and and icast does a great job building things up to a crescendo you know to your point the on the water events on the 19th from 10 to 2 it's right there in front of the convention center literally on the water on a i would call it a small lake or a large large pond but it's a lot of manufacturers there i'll be there myself with uh three other of our st croix team members uh, handing rods to people having them try them so they can get their hands on them and throw them out there and reel them in and feel them and and imagine cut copy pasting that to most manufacturers that are at the show and and that's a great opportunity instead of just seeing about it reading about it or hearing about it you can actually get your hands on it and then to your point select items get put in the new product showcase even before the uh, show starts and then once the show starts you can come into the booth and talk to the to representatives and manufacturers about features and so forth so the point that i'm trying to make by the time the information gets to you, the listener, it's really distilled down to great value for you as an angler because you can uh, get all the details at the highest level way in advance so you can kind of plan your tackle year or rod need year or whatever well in advance. And we've done podcasts before on the importance of preparation. For example, if a new hook comes out and it's a certain gauge or some feature about it, it's just going to be wheelhouse for one of your applications and you know about it well enough in advance, you can clear a little spot out in your hook box for it and label it and get ready to go. And that way you're not chasing it in season. Yeah, and and hopefully the um, supply chain issues will get better uh, as we go and get farther away from uh, the beginning of COVID, and and because there was some delays the last couple of years with uh, the way things could were coming out, and it, it seems to be relaxing a little bit overseas is uh, opening up a, a little more. The whole world seems to be opening up a little more, and what we dealt with. Uh, was you know some delays on stuff, but we were also given the gift of getting many more people into our industry and becoming anglers. 
You know, the beauty of this industry is when things are great, people go fishing. When things are tough, people go fishing. And my advice is to go fishing and <laughs> deal with the cards that are dealt. And we've been very blessed in this industry to have, to your point, a large influx of new anglers come in. It's absolutely our responsibility as representatives of the industry to help them be successful. Part of that's giving them a sneak peek look at things that will enhance their experience well in advance and give them as much information as we can. And ICAST is, has a lot to do with that. I would argue more than any single event in the industry all year. I mean, we can talk about the Bassmaster Classic too as being certainly an opportunity to see things because a lot of companies are doing mid-season launches. But the difference between these two shows is almost a lot of the product here isn't going to be available for a short period of time. But secondly, this is a dealer media only show. So it's not consumer attended, which is all the more reason to follow it through social media or manufacturers' websites or through your local dealer or however you want to follow it. Absolutely. And for the consumer, here's how they can help themselves. If you see an item that you say, boy, I really want that, let your local tackle dealer know that because not everybody gets to make it to ICAST. It's held during a busy time of the year. We're, we're in the summer. We're in July. And many of the dealers don't go. It's very important to be there. But if you can't get there, um, the way they're going to follow the media too, but they won't know the store will follow the media, but they won't know what their consumers want unless you ask for it. So if St. Croix has a rod or Daiwa has a reel or AFCO has clothing that you want or you see something from Big Bite or Sunline that you think, hey, we got to have this, let your store know because it's important because the more people that ask for it, there's a better chance they're going to put it in right in your own backyard. Well, anglers are the lifeblood of our industry and dealers are a conduit and we're the manufacturer. We all work together. So to your point, the more an angler will communicate to a, a dealer as you mentioned, or even to us as a manufacturer, the more that angler benefits because if we don't build what they want and if you don't sell what they want, they're not going to have a good experience on the water. And, and number one, they're going to go somewhere else. But number two, I think our, our overarching goal, even coming out of ICAST, and I really pound this into my head every year before I go, is to enhance the experience. Now, I'm dealing directly with dealers and media, but I know they're a conduit to the angler, and I'm trying to be forward thinking. And I think a lot of people are that way at this show. And again, there's there's going to be more information coming out here in the next week or so that's just going to blow the angler away, regardless of your level of fishing. Absolutely. And I would also like to remind the listeners that if you don't see an item or a product that's being made that you think you would like, make sure you let Somebody in the tackle industry knows, starting with your local dealer, or if you go to a sports show and you see a Dan Johnston out there or a Dave Kranz at a show, or, or anybody from any of these manufacturers' companies, trust me, they listen to the angler. They're going to listen to what you're asking for because you may not be the only one, and that's how new products get developed. Well, we have to listen, and one advantage St. Croix has is we have a high degree of control over what we do in the manufacturing process. So if we see a trend or if we feel a desire, especially if it's in big numbers, we can build it. And so I completely agree with your point, and a lot of great ideas that we've had over the past and certainly ideas we'll use going forward are a result of angler communication and our connection with them. 
Absolutely. So the uh, listeners need to pay attention to social media, whether that's YouTube or Facebook, because there's going to be a lot of things coming out there uh, between the uh, 19th of July through the 22nd. It's going to come out of an industry-only ICAST uh, convention where the sport fishing world and manufacturers and buyers and media get together. And you guys need to pay attention and see what's coming out. As Dan said, you can plan for your 2023 needs. And uh don't don't miss it, and uh, look forward to seeing you uh, at ICAST, Dan. Yeah, we'll be doing a topic on the podcast next year on something we don't even know we're talking about yet because we haven't seen it yet. That's the cool thing. So we'll see you next week, Dave. Yeah, that's awesome, isn't it? And now, and I haven't seen it or know what he's talking about either, so the excitement continues to build. Thank you, Dan Johnston. I am Dave Kranz. Steve Sarley is remote, and as always, this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Probably one of the number one questions I get, you know, what line do I use? That's a big debate. For every tour out there, everybody's debating which line. I choose the simple side. My choice of line is sunline. One of my favorite lines to use is sunline. How all can you use it? Anywhere you want to. Anywhere there's water and bass, it's good. Walleye, catfish, trout, speckled trout, sharks. There we go. Uh, I don't say this unless I think it's true, but honestly, it's the best in the market. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I always like to say the guests I have on this segment have a passion for the outdoors. My next guest certainly has. He's been on before. He is Charlie Evans. How you doing, Charlie? I'm having a great week, a great day. Life is good. Boy, you know... I could have read everything you've done in this industry, but uh, uh, the list would have taken the whole 12 minutes we have. Oh, my God, have you ever, did you ever think you'd get to do the, as many things as you have in the outdoor industry? Well, what that means, Dave, that what that really means is I'm really old. <laughs> I've been around forever, and, and I love this sport. I love everything about it. And, uh, uh, in this sport, every day is a holiday. The next day is Thanksgiving. And, and so I'm just proud to be a part of it. Well, today we're going to talk to you about uh, being uh, – uh, part of the USA uh, coaching staff and the World Bass Championship that's coming up here in October. Uh, tell us a little bit about the background on that. Well, we've got involved in international fishing, uh, uh, and it's been going on for some time, and, and, and the United States decided they need to step up and participate. 
is their first team that, that we sent down to South Africa. Unfortunately, the South Africans beat us. We, they won the gold medal on their home turf, and, and we won the silver medal. And then the next one, we went to Mexico, and our, the United States won uh, the gold medal there. We beat the Mexicans on their home turf. And so then it was scheduled to come to the United States for the first time ever. And a couple of years in a row, it was postponed because of COVID. But now it's on. For the very first time in history, the Bass World Championship is going to be held in the United States, Columbia, South Carolina, on Lake Murray of Billadreer Island in October 16th through 22nd. We can't be more excited about hosting such a prestigious event, one that's going to lead us to bass fishing becoming an Olympic sport. I was going to ask you about that, and I think that is great, and the opportunity to have it become an Olympic sport would be would be just awesome. I, I just think that, uh, what about all these high school and collegiate guys that think that, okay, I'm going to get in bass fishing in school, and then I can go on and, and uh, you know, uh, do it as a profession, but they never dreamed that to be able to maybe fish the Olympics in bass fishing. Uh, I, it, it, it's going to happen. It's just a question of time. It's definitely going to happen. Uh, we've already applied to U.S. Angling uh, through the international organization called PIPSED and SIPSED. Uh, that's, that's an acronym for something I can't pronounce, but at any rate, uh, we are the, the, the only official tie to the Olympic Committee, and we've already applied for, for recognition, and they've uh, basically told us, no, you're not ready yet. There's some things you need to do. Uh, you're getting close. And so we feel like we've made the changes that they've asked us to make. We're heading in the right direction. We think it's just a matter of time before we get Olympic recognition uh, as, as a sport. And that will be, as I said, that'll be huge. It'll be huge for a sport, huge for industry, huge for every angler out there. It'll be the biggest thing that happens since high school and college visit. No Maybe even bigger than that when it's all said and done. This is a big, big deal that we're shooting for. And, uh, and we, got, we know we're going to be watched when we get to Columbia, South Carolina. Oh, yeah. Now, you said Lake Murray. What's the fishing going to be like there in October? should be pretty good. Well, that's, that's an unusual time of year. Now, if you ask Angela, Anthony Gagliardi, who won the Forcewood Cup there, and also uh, me and him are the two coaches there uh, of the team, and so he knows it better than anybody in the world. It's a very unique time to fish it, which I think maybe might give the United States, the home team, a little bit of advantage. Plus, we've got a a lights out team. I mean, we, we've got we've got the cream of the crop team. Uh, I can't, don't want to ever ever promise something, but, but I we, I told all of our guys save a space on the shelf for a gold medal. We're going after it. There you go. There you go. Is there a a, a fall shad spawn on those lakes? The, 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 that's, they have that uh, blueback herring there. Oh, the herring. Blueback herring. Yep. Blueback herring, which is which is in the fall of the year does some very unique things that are that are a little different than maybe some of the international anglers are, are used to. Now, we already know that a lot of the teams have already come in pre-practice and are still pre-practicing. I think South Africa is making their, their sixth trip here in the United States in preparation for this event. They are hungry for it, but they've got the job cut out for them. Our team is going to be, we're going to be locked, loaded, ready to go. Yeah, I, I think um, bass fishing is as popular as it ever, ever has been. Uh, you look at the... Uh, the results and, and the numbers of people getting into these tournaments on the uh, uh, Major League Fishing side or the BASS Opens, and you look at how many participants. I think I saw one was 321 anglers in a, in a Toyota series for MLF down at Gunnersville, and uh, 321 boats. That's crazy, isn't it? 
Well, it's, it's crazy good is what it is. It is. Fishing, the tournament fishing is, is uh, you know, back in 2008, we thought we'd hit the high point, but I think we still got great times ahead. Uh, again, with high school and college fishing, just really, really, really going by leaps and bounds with what MLF is doing, uh, what Bass is doing. Uh, everybody combined is really working hard for our sport industry. And uh, I think that that, that this uh, this international fishing with the chance of being recognized by the Olympic Committee as a sport uh, can lead us to places we've never been before. Absolutely. How different is it for these top-level anglers? You, you say you got some of the best of the best, and you do. How different is it for them to have a coach that they can bounce stuff off of or suggest different things? I mean, this is a totally different format than them going out, practicing two or three days themselves, or and then going out and figuring it out on their own. In international fishing, you're allowed to have eight team members, and we have eight. And they fish two to a boat. So it's kind of like a buddy tournament. So we got two great anglers in the boat using all their talents combined to bring in a limit of fish. And then you can only put three boats on the water during each competition day. And so we like said we then that's the coaches will determine the starting lineup, so to speak. And and then also in international fishing, uh, we can also communicate with each boat on the water and then and then we can pass information from boat to boat which is a little different format than anything in the United States, but that's the rules in, in the international fishing. And, uh, and we intend to, to take full advantage of it. So that Anthony and I will be keeping track all day long, every day, what every boat is doing. And we got boats that are really pounding them and other boats that are, that are struggling. Then we'll talk to the one that's really catching them. We'll pass that information on to the, uh, the, uh, the type of fishing and colors and baits and stuff, actions, uh, on to the team that's struggling to try to get them because it's a combined weight of those three boats each day that determines the standings in the, in the tournament. Well, you know, and I think the format's awesome. But the other thing I, I look forward to seeing is these, you got top level guys paired together, almost like you said, they're a team with two other boats that are a team that are fishing at the same time. These guys, uh, they're sponges. They're going to learn from each other. And, and this is going to help them when they go back to doing whatever level uh, tournaments they're doing with whichever league they're fishing. And I think this is uh, for later in their careers. Isn't this a great growth opportunity for them? I can tell you something that, that, that is very unique because these guys always have been all top level pros and all have been fishing individually now for several years. And then this is the first time where, where you actually have another person in the boat that's not somebody you're fishing against or not a co-angler, uh, somebody else in the boat that's, that's like fishing a buddy tournament. You and him combined determine that boat's way. And then it's also like a team tournament where where you got two other boats that's on your team. So there's six guys, and like I said, we have two subs that we can send in and out. Uh, eight people that are that are fishing as a united team for the United States. And that that's key to it. It's not There's no money involved here. There is some gold medals, but really it's about pride of America. America is the leading basket country in the world, and we intend to stay that way. Yeah, and I think fishing for, for pride, I mean, it's it's kind of like uh, these guys are going back to what these high school and college kids are getting to do right now. It's not monetary at that point, but they're, they're trying to win for their team and their school, and these guys are trying to win for their country, and I just think that it's uh, it's such a great format, and, and to think that the next level is going to be the Olympics is, is really exciting. 
I just um, it, it it is a I, I can't hardly said I've been involved in this sport for a long, long, long time, and I've seen a lot of great things happen over the years. Been here, but I've never been more excited about the future of what what something could happen. And like I said, if we get the Olympic recognition, we're going to see growth in numbers like we've never seen before. Okay, Charlie. Now I got to ask you: you're you're coaching these guys. What part of Charlie Evans wants to be fishing? Believe me, Anthony and I both would love to be out there on the water. And and we're actually, it's something we're allowed by rules. Once once we've gone through a roster, if, if there's accidents or something like that, or somebody has to leave because of illness and time or something, we, we are actually allowed to substitute in. And so Anthony and I both would love that. <laughs> and but primarily, I'd love to be there, but I'd want Anthony to go first because he is, he is great on that lake. He's amazing. And he's an amazing angler, amazing talent. But his knowledge of that lake is, is, is uh, and we call him coach. I don't want you to come with it. We are coaches, but we're also advisors. And and, uh, and our job is to get the very best uh, team out there performing at the top of their level. And uh, uh, we, we, we intend to help them every way we can from being on the bank to win the gold medal. I know you do, and I, I think it's just a great, great format. And, boy, October 16th to the 22nd, I think uh, the World Bass Championship will be uh, bringing some people to uh, Lake Murray and, and uh, seeing what uh, they have to offer that time of year. Like you said, most of the tournaments uh, across the country are done by then. And so to see this at that time uh, of year, uh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how everybody does and to see uh, how these other countries come here and adapt to, uh, you know, they may have shad where they're at, but like you said, the herring, they may not, and that might be a little different, but uh, I, we're all excited about it, Charlie, and, and uh, glad to have you there as part of the coaching staff, and definitely uh, thank you for being on the We Fish ASA podcast again and look forward to the next time uh, we talk to you, which will hopefully be... Uh, the end of October with maybe you telling us about uh, how you guys won the gold medal. Well, we, we definitely won't do that again. Thanks for having me on. I want to remind everybody, this event is open to the public. Everybody's invited to come. We have a lot of our, uh, our sponsors and people that support United States Fishing. The International Fishing Team will be there displaying wares and meeting people. And so it's a come and meet people from all over the world. This will be the largest ever a world bass championship and of course the numbers countries competing so we want the united states backers to come out and support this great event awesome thank you charlie we appreciate your time we'll talk to you soon thanks that was charlie evans i am dave cran steve sarley is remote and this segment of the we fish asa podcast was brought to you by calcutta an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors we will be right back The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta. We're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. 
We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. You know, please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you are an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Our next guest is uh, definitely, without a doubt, the leader in his field of fishing. He is the muskie hunter himself. He is Mr. Jim Sarek. Hey, Jim, how you doing? I'm great, Steve. How are you? I am just absolutely wonderful. I love it. You've got... Uh, uh, Jim Sarek, the, the muskie hunter. You have uh, Gary Roach, Mr. Walleye. You guys are species-specific, and I think it's paid off in building your brand. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, mean, I fish for other stuff. I love to fish for walleyes, love to fish for bass and everything. But, you know, as everybody knows, my passion is really about muskie fishing. You know, it's 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 interesting, and a lot of us look at uh, why we fish for, for different reasons. And... Uh, uh, you know, we can certainly ask you why you fish for muskies, but I think fishing is a, is a very, very uh, communal sport. It's something you do. You, you, you fish from shore. You fish from the boat with a bunch of friends. You, you talk. You, uh, you, you bust each other's chops all day while you're fishing. You know, who caught the most? Who caught the biggest? Tell stories. Muskie fishing is probably less of that because you usually only have two guys fishing together it's tough to fish with three guys in a boat when you're when you've got those nine foot long rods and, and one pound weights flying every which direction and you're so focused on what you're doing uh, and, and I think if my saying that right now is is, is being heard by people who might want to try musky fishing oh I don't know that doesn't sound like it's for me I, I'm really not painting a good picture am I well, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, easily you can, you can get three guys in a big boat. You know, my 20-foot ranger, I can have three guys cast. And, you know, I don't want people to think it's all work. I mean, we do have a good time in the boat, believe me. I mean, we talk about all kinds of things. I think the, the thing you have to do musky fishing that is as much of any other type of fishing is you really have to pay attention to your bait at all times and and typically watch behind your lure because the muskies will follow behind it and a lot of times since we're catching them at boat side you kind of got to be willing to stop talking and focus on what you're doing when all of a sudden a muskie shows up behind your bait you know yeah you know what i just figured it out when you just said you have to be able to stop talking i i think that's why you and i don't fish is because you realize you're never going to get me to stop talking. Oh my goodness, that is uh, that is amazing. And you know, it, it is true. Look at it any other way. You know, you you have to pay attention. You have to pay a lot of attention because 
the amount of strikes are much, much fewer and further between than anything else. If you're, you got to pay attention when you're walleye fishing, but you know what? If you miss a strike, you're going to get another one in a few minutes. You miss a musky strike, your day may be over. Oh, yeah, you bet. And, and a lot of times it's what people don't realize is, you know, I probably catch, let's say, a third of the muskies throughout my entire season are caught right at boat side and, you know, making a, doing, taking the lure in a figure eight pattern. But the reason I catch them there is a lot of times I see them, uh, you know, come behind my lure or engage my lure maybe halfway to the boat. And, and then it's based on how you react at that moment in time may determine are you going to even have a shot at catching that fish or not. So if you're not really paying attention, you don't do anything, you know, a lot of times when a fish shows up behind my lure, I accelerate the lure real quickly and try to pull it away from him, like pulling pulling a bone out in front of in front of a dog, you know, running away from him and he chases it. A muskie's the same way. But if you don't do that, chances are that fish might not change its attitude. And even though you do a figure eight, you might not catch him. So it is one, and that may be just like you said, on a tough day, it might be the only opportunity you got. I, you know, lots of places you fish, you can catch multiple muskies in a day, but it's not like bass or walleye, as you said, Steve, where, you know, like, hey, I might get 10 bites today or 12 bites today, that's all right, or more. If you're in, you know, musky fishing, you're like, hey, I'm, I always tell myself, can I, I'm fishing for a couple bites today. Yeah, do I want to catch six of them today? Yes, but realistically, I'm fishing for a couple bites, and on tough days, I have to manufacture those bites myself. Yeah, good, good, good answer. You you have to. Uh, uh, you're fishing for muskies. You are going out. You're you're you're, you're fishing for muskies. There's no doubt about uh, that. That is what you are doing. Then again, there's a lot of people, in particular in the spring, that catch a muskie. Maybe their first muskie when they're fishing for bass or they're fishing for walleye. It's an accidental muskie catch. How do you specifically target muskies and avoid catching other species? Well, you mean how I... <laughs> so, so you're saying, how do I avoid catching bass and walleye when I'm muskie fishing? Is that yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it, it happens. I caught a really nice walleye one time uh, uh, fishing muskies, and I was disappointed. Uh, oh, damn, you know, and... Uh, it was funny, we were fishing with uh, Spence Petros and James Linder, and I, like, just shook it off at the side of the boat. I lifted, I lifted the wall half. It was probably six and a half pounds. I flipped it off, and uh, and Jim, James says, what are you doing? I says, well, I don't want a walleye. You know what? The, he says, that's a nice walleye. I said, I don't, we're not fishing for walleye. He says, I would have really liked to take your picture and put it on the, the uh, uh, Linder's website. I said, for what? We're fishing for And he's shaking his head going, I'm fishing with a dummy here, you know. A fish is a fish. You don't, uh, you don't do that. But you, you, you're out. You're doing your show. You don't want to catch bass. You don't want to catch walleyes. You want to catch muskies. How do you target them specifically? Is there a way that you can avoid the other fish? Are there, you know what I'm saying? Uh, people, are there areas where, man, if there's muskies there, nothing else is there. That's where I want to go. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, Steve, I think it's one of those deals where generally, you know, in the spring when you're fishing smaller musky lures, maybe, or you're fishing a lot of times in the, in the early spring when you're musky fishing, you're targeting areas with the warmest water, shallow cover of any kind, whether it's a man-made feature or just a, 
you know, a tree or anything, wood, wood, weeds, whatever, and, you know, looking for that. And that's where you're targeting early summer. So you have a lot of overlap between bass or walleye or, or other things. And so you tend to have more of those incidental catches when you're musky fishing with, with other, other species. But as you get into summer and you're fishing a lot of the musky lures that are 7 to 10 to 15 inches long, you tend not to catch as many walleyes or bass. Um, even you don't catch as many smaller pike on some of them. Now, the, the bass or walleyes you do catch are big. Like I said, I mean, I've caught lots of five pound plus largemouth. I've caught 11 pound walleyes when I've been, is, is the biggest one that I think that I caught when I was musky fishing. I've caught uh, lots of pike in different sizes, but you're right. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't mind catching those fish, I, you know, but I'm targeting muskies and that's kind of that mindset, you know, it, it's, it's whatever you're kind of targeting that point, particularly when you're spending a lot of time musky fishing in a day, it's been a bunch of hours. You really want to make sure you, you catch your target species. And even though you catch a nice bass or walleye, you know, it's not that I don't like them. And if I was just fishing for bass or walleye on that particular day, I would love them. But on a day where I'm musky fishing, yeah, that's kind of what I'm, I'm tunnel vision focused on. That's what I want to catch and everything else is just bait. You know, it's it's funny because that's, I think, one of the main uh, differences between us, us being freshwater fishermen and, and people who fish in the ocean. You talk to ocean people and say, oh, boy, you throw your, you throw your uh, bait in the water. You never know what you're going to catch. Freshwater fishermen don't like that concept. We want to know what we're going to catch. We're aiming and we're targeting something, and that's what we want. Otherwise, we're failing. Yeah, no, there's certainly part of that, depending on, and, and now there are times that say early season, you're out, you're doing bass or perch or walleyes or crappie, you, know, you can do a lot of, I do a lot of that in places in northern Wisconsin and stuff early in the season where you're just doing a multi-species mixed bag, and that's great, that's what your mindset is, you know. So. You know, I tell, I tell people, they'll ask about, uh, they'll ask about musky fishing, how expensive is it to get into, uh, what do I need uh, equipment-wise to, to do that? And a lot of times I'll say, especially early in the season when you, you'll get accidental strikes from smaller muskies, uh, your heavier bass, heavier walleye equipment, heavier catfish equipment is probably good enough. If you're going to take up musky fishing full time, you want to uh, get into more specific tackle. But to, to give it a first time out try, do most people have an, an appropriate rod and reel to go out, or would you definitely say they should go out and buy some heavier gear from the get-go? I mean, I think that it's, it's, if you're going to go and you're just say, you're, hey, I'm only going to probably try this once, or uh, I'm not really, I, I'm just going to, then I would say, you know, grab your, flip, your, your bass flipping stick or a big heavy bass swim bait rod, something like that, and do it, and, and fish some smaller lures, and and take that approach and, and, and you're probably going to be okay. Again, you may not, if it's summertime when you're doing it, because you're fishing some smaller baits and you're, and you're really limited on the lure choice that you can do, um, with a, with a lighter rod, you may not catch muskies. So it may not be as good. I think that realistically so many companies now from Shimano to others just make very extremely affordable musky rods and you could get a, eight and a half foot musky rod. It's a heavy action rod and, and use that. And you can throw a wide variety of lures with that. And, 
and and you'll probably be much more successful because ultimately you want to be able to handle the equipment doing that properly and not get fatigued during the day because if you fish a smaller rod, you know, a bass flipping stick and you're trying to throw a traditional musky-sized bucktail that may pull or a larger one or or, or rip a minnow bait or a jerk bait with that that's, and that rod is loading and flexing a lot, it's just going to tire you out and, and you're not going to have as good of an experience. And then when you do get a bite, you may not be able to hook, set the hook as well or fight the fish as well and, and you end up losing them so I, I tell people I go I, I would start out by going and purchasing a, a, a relatively inexpensive musky rod from any of your favorite you know rod or real rod manufacturers and and starting there with one of them about eight and a half foot in length and then once you kind of catch one or get a feel for what you're doing, you can you can go from there. I mean, heck, just like any just like anybody else, I have five or six musky rods that I use on a daily basis, and they're all lure and technique specific. If I'm going shopping for my first musky rod, what length would you steer me towards? Yeah, I would say I would say eight and a half foot um, for your first one. I fish a, a lot of mine are all nine to nine and a half foot. I actually only, the show, I have one rod that I use that's eight feet long that's very technique specific for jerk baits or the walk the dog style topwater. But otherwise, my rods are all nine to nine and a half foot in length. Um, but I tell people, for some people like a nine footer, it's just a, it's just a big jump, particularly if you're a, you really have a musky fish before and you, you're coming from the bass or walleye world where seven and a half foot might be pretty long or seven ten. So you go to eight and a half foot it's pretty manageable to go from there the advantage of those longer nine nine and a half foot rods is that they just they cast the lures so well and they cast them so far and they just handle everything much better and it just and they fight fish a lot better with them but you can't go wrong with eight and a half i would not do any of the i would not mess around with a six and a half or a seven or even a seven and a half foot rod I would, I would definitely go right to eight and a half. Excellent answer, excellent. You know, the kind of answer I expect from a Jim Sarek, the musky hunter himself. Uh, nobody knows more about musky fishing than the one and only Jim Sarek. And we'll have more with Jim when We Fish ASA comes back. I'm Steve Sarley, We're here with Jim Sarek. Quick messages and we'll be right back after this. You know, when I look at the tournaments I've won, probably four or five of the boats that I've won have been on a tube. But I completely gotten away from flipping a tube because nobody, nobody made one soft enough. Big Bite has come with this new tour series of baits. The thing that's probably the most unique is when you look at that bait, the salt just rolls out of it. And to me, that is the reason a fish bites a tube and hangs on to it. This isn't one of those, let's go out and catch some smallmouth tube. This is a let's get it done tube. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Petula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. 
and with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Surley. My partner Dave Kranz is not here. He is remote. And uh, I'm here with uh, the one and only Jim Sarek, Muskie Hunter Television. It's still going strong, isn't it? Yeah, you know, we're, we're filming stuff and, you know, throughout the season and we've been bouncing around. I'm actually headed up to Lake of the Woods soon and got a school I'm teaching up there. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Excellent. No, it, it's the, it's amazing the success you have. And th this might be hurtful and maybe uh, don't, don't get mad at me for bringing it up, but your old publication, Muskie Hunter Magazine, which was originally Joe Booker's publication and uh, it was taken over by Jim Sarek, uh, very successful, was bought, uh, I don't know how many years ago, not all that long ago, by uh, uh, Tony Grant and Greg Thomas. They have ceased print publishing of the magazine and have gone to uh, uh, electronic publishing only. Does that hurt you at all when you hear that? Well, you know, you know, Steve, I, you know, I sold that publication to them uh, three, three and a half years ago or whatever it was. So I, you know, I, I, you know, I haven't really done a lot with the publication, you know, since that point. And, um, you know, I think I, I've read what you had, which is that they're going to, they're going to move to a digital format. And, and I understand that. I mean, I think I feel like so much, um, and it's not, it's not fishing publications, it's publications across the country. Right, right. I don't, I don't care what you, you see, you know, you go into a, wherever you're traveling and you pull into a, a mini mart where to get gas and you go in and just take a look at how small the new, the magazine and newspaper stands are now to what they were five years ago, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. That's that the media is constantly changing in different formats. And it's the same thing with television, and everything else. It's all changing consistently. And, and, uh, you know, I think they're just trying to adapt. When I heard that about Muskie Hunter, not, print publishing anymore i thought about you immediately and the first thing i thought about was i said jimmy must be sad that something he had been involved with for such a long time is is gone by the wayside i then again i smiled and said jim's probably smiling and man i got out at the right time well i mean i think it was you know i mean certainly it's a sad thing i mean i mean the publication hopefully will continue in a digital format and that will work okay um for them, but yeah, I mean, I, I think when it started in 1989, when Joe Booker and and Bill Tess and Dan Lobinstein owned it, I, you know, I was one of the first writers from the beginning, and so you know, yeah, I, I think I you know I certainly have a lot of a lot of a lot of fond memories and affiliation with it, and you know, my wife and I owned the magazine for 21 years before we sold it, so you know, I certainly only wish it the best and and uh, to keep it going from yeah. there. I, I, I do too. I, I do too because you know what we need we need more coverage of uh, musky fishing. Uh, musky fishing is is honestly a very very small percentage of the fishing market, and it deserves to be a larger percentage. So I, I hope it goes. Uh, I always wish that the uh, Pro Musky Tournament Trail, the uh, probably the biggest or most well known of the musky tournament organizations would have gotten bigger. And, and that seems to have 
uh, leveled off or even shrunk over the past five years. Uh, do you see any future for competitive muskie fishing ever making a comeback or a, a boom in growth? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I think it's, I think it's been, uh, you know, it, I know that, you know, they're doing okay with the, with the number of people entering their tournaments and, you know, from there, I think that, but it, it may be relatively flat, but they're in a pretty solid number and there's still interest in it. But I think the one thing that's different about musky tournaments than bass or walleye tournaments is that your mu- you know, if you, if you go and you ask a musky guy and, and, you know, and you're anywhere at the end, you know, when I'm, when I go to a sports show, people never ask me, how many muskies did you catch? It's always, what's the biggest one did you catch for the year? And, and if you go to a muskie club, everybody asks the same question. The first question is, what's the biggest one you caught last year? And so muskie fishing is not about how many tournaments you win. I mean, I've been really fortunate. I've won seven of them, and I used to participate in more of them. But no one ever asked me about those, even when I did it. It's, it really is. It's all about big fish. And since the sport is so much about big muskies, I think that you don't have the tournament fishing driving all the equipment. Although, you know, there is, some of this new live, live scope technology, um, the tournaments, the, the muskie tournaments are starting to get your average angler to go, hey, what's going on? A lot of muskies in open water are being caught using this, the different live scope technologies that are produced by Garmin and Lawrence and Hummingbird and are being used and, and it's, it's changing the sport slightly or has the potential to do it. And, and you see it in other sports, but even in muskies, you see it more. But overall, I think since muskie fishing is such a big fish generated thing and dominated thing, the tournaments are never going to dominate unlike bass or, or walleye. Oh, that's a, that is interesting. Cause, uh, I, I like to think the television exposure, you know, uh, people see it, they bring me, uh, how can you not watch an episode of Muskie Hunter TV and not want to pick up that eight and a half foot rod and go out there and toss some uh, bulldogs for, for Muskie, for Pete's sake? That just uh, turns people on to see that. And uh, I think that uh, uh, Jim Sarek is, is the driving factor in the United States for getting people to attempt to try muskie fishing. And, and you are the, 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 the reason why sales and muskie are what they are. It's because people want to be like Jim Sarek. They want to be the muskie hunter. They do that. And, and there don't seem to be the pros in muskie fishing like there are in, in uh, bass fishing. As a matter of fact, it seems like the numbers and the names on the rosters of famous muskie fishing are going down more than going up. Am, am I seeing that right? You know, I think, you know, I, I mean, first off, you know, Steve, I, I'm not convinced that everybody's musky fishing because of me, but I appreciate that, <laughs> you know, from there. But, but I, uh, you know, as far as the, the number of different names you see, I, I, think you, I think you're right. I think that's, I see some of that across the board, but I think that a lot of the more well-known musky anglers now are guides, They're you know, and they are taking that route. And um, part of the reason, I think, with that route, and, and you see fewer, is that, you have you don't have certain exposure areas to or promotional areas that you had in the past. You know, I think now with so much of the social media being present, 
everybody can have a YouTube channel or a Facebook or an Instagram or a TikTok presence on the different social media channels. And there's no way to differentiate from who really is really, really good at it from a fishing standpoint or not. And so that's uh, there's a little bit of a dilution factor that goes on because there's so much digital media available. You can watch people catch muskies all, you know, all throughout social media in different ways. And, you know, I'm not saying they're, they're all teaching you the right way to do it, but you can watch them being caught. That's all I can tell you. Who, who, are, who are the best, uh, give me the three best muskie fishermen you've seen in your career. That I see, I'm sorry, I, I can repeat that again. Who, who are the three best muskie fishermen you've seen during your career? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the people, I mean, I fish with some really good ones. I'm really fortunate. That's the great thing about having on the television show is being able to fish with it. And I don't want to leave anybody out, but certainly. I, I, I'm throwing you, you know, under the bus right now. Booker, you're, you're, you're under the bus with, by me asking you that question. I know that, and I did that intentionally. I'll apologize later. Oh, no, no problem. I mean, fishing with, uh, you know, fishing with Joe Booker and Spence Petros was, has always been amazing. And, 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 and part of it is understanding the timing where when they, when I started fishing with them and their knowledge 30 years ago, the sport when nothing was widely available was very impactful. I mean, think about that. And, and, uh, you know, Steve Herbeck was another great oh, angler yeah, I fished sure. with and who's just still super innovative, super dialed in and, and kind of fishes at a whole nother level. Um, my friend, Mike Lazarus from Canada is, is an incredible muskie fisherman. Um, from there, I fished with guys that work super hard and adapt, you know, guys like, uh, you know, I, I think Mike Halbert and Spencer Berman are just, you know, they're really, really versatile and, and do a lot and, and fish really, really hard. Um, Ryan McMahon out in, in, uh, in, you know, that I fish with out in Minnesota, outstanding muskie angler, really knows what's going on up in northern Wisconsin. I mean, Rob Mantha is all around one of the best muskie fishermen I fish with up there and for just everything up there, multi-species, you know, I, there's just, I don't mean that I try to name a billion people, but all, a lot of people come to mind that are just really, really good. I mean, obviously my buddy, Steve Hiding that I've worked with, sure. he's outstanding as well that we do. And, you know, all those anglers seem to have the, a couple of things they have in common is they are really dedicated to what they do, their craft, they're excellent with their boat control. They're very detailed oriented and they really pay attention to all the surroundings and all the little details and kind of adapt on the water and, and, uh, and, and they all have the ability to kind of communicate what they're doing too. Uh, let's talk about uh, time of year. You read an awful lot about guys stopping musky fishing during the warm weather. July is a bad time because they're very difficult to release and have them come back healthy. They don't tolerate that uh, uh, prolonged fight in the hot water very well. Then again, on the other side, I know that uh, if you go uh, a real hot spot, uh, go out to Detroit to fish for muskies, They'll tell you that the two weeks starting on the 4th of July for 14 days, those are the hottest 14 days of the year to fish for muskies. Who's right? Who's wrong? Yeah, well, I think that on the warm water thing, I, I mean, let's, let me just be clear. There's, a, there's kind of this, this 
I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this musky fallacy out there that if the water temperature hits 80 degrees, you need to stop fishing for them because there's not enough oxygen in the water and the fish are stressed and, and it's in there and you're going to kill them. And number one, there's plenty of oxygen for the muskies in when the water temp is 80 degrees. So there's more than enough oxygen for them at that water temperature. In the warm water months, and it doesn't matter where it is, the, the key thing to remember is that, yes, as the water temperatures are warmer and if it's really hot outside and you're going to pull the fish out of the water for a photo or, or take a measurement, which we often do, you, you just have to, you have to minimize the time from when, you, when the fish strikes to when you release it. You want to shorten that time period up, right? And so, and, um, so you can fish for them in the summer and in many areas, and you just have to make sure you've got all the proper release tools, you've got the right gear to land them quickly, and when you do get them in the net, you leave them in the net over the side of the boat, you know, in the water over the side of the boat, unhook them, pick them up, and let them go. And if it's a big one, you want to get a photo, absolutely put them back. You want to minimize that time. That's real important. Now, some of the waters down south where fish have been placed artificially and they're, they're kind of put in take fisheries where the fish aren't naturally producing, situations are slightly different when you have extreme water temperatures and and uh, other situations. But for the most part, places like Lake St. Clair, you also have to remember you have cooler water coming in from the St. Clair River that's actually cycling through that mixes and then going out the Detroit River that's in there. And so even though some of the surface temps can be warm, you just constantly have oxygenated water moving through that system. And so fishing in the summer is totally fine. Those fish have adapted through hundreds or thousands of years of evolution and have, have handled and dealt with warmer water temperatures throughout their you know, their historical genetical lifetime. Man, he, know, he knows it all. Absolutely amazing. Time goes so fast when I talk to you, Jim. I enjoy it so much. Uh, just love picking your brain and hearing everything you've got to say. Nobody knows musky fishing like the musky hunter himself, Mr. Jim Sarek. I Please watch this show on TV. Buy copies of the, of the past episodes. Go to muskyhuntertv.com. Uh, He's got everything Jim Sarek, everything musky there. He is the master. Jim, thanks for being with us. Have a great trip to Canada, and I hope you catch multiple 50s. Thank you, buddy. Thank you anytime, Steve. Excellent. Talk to you soon. Jim Sarek, the musky yeah. hunter himself. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. Today's guests, I would like to thank our Dan Johnson from St. Croix, USA Bass. What a great organization. Gosh, they have so much stuff going on. Muskie Hunter TV, Jim Sarek. Wow, he's on his way to Canada. He's going to catch some big fish with big teeth. You know he is. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a lot of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. And Daiwa, we've got your bass covered. Boy, they certainly do. Daiwa Reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. Don't forget to check out our website, wefishasa.com. You can listen there as well. You can also uh, connect with us there. Write to us. We answer all of our mail. Let us know what's on your mind. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about, 
for someone you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing! I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.